Hello and welcome to the Bad Music Hurts Podcast, a show where my siblings and I chat about our favorite records. This is episode 8, and we're talking about 2014's Benji by Sunkill Moon. I'm Mark Bearclift, still am, probably will be in the future, and with me is my brother, Michael Bearclift. Hi, Michael. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Good, good. You know. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. It's been a while. Another tenderloin summer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, yeah, well, it has it. Yeah, it's been a full summer. It's been at least a full summer plus another half or another couple of months, right? Uh, oh, yeah, into, into fall. Oh, yeah, the Oktoberfest and pumpkin beers and pumpkin cream cheese and pumpkin everything <laughs> is just consuming our lives. So I, I'd say it's definitely... Summer has passed. It's it's almost been a full year. I am just now on the website, and last time was December 22nd. We did Grand Hotel. We're nothing if not consistent. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of consistency, uh, notably absent is our sister, Amy Grenaccio. <laughs> she is uh, uh, not here on account of having a second baby. So she's she's on paternal leave. Um, uh, or is it maternal leave? Paternal leave? Eh. It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. She's on baby leave. <laughs> She's on baby um, leave. Yeah, we got we we run a tight ship over here at the Bad Music Hurts podcast, but we'll let this slide for, <laughs> for yeah. It's a yeah, it's no. a sound excuse. It's a sound excuse. Yeah, it's, uh, for the listeners, our our plan going forward is going to be more on uh, Amy's going to join on a when she can basis because uh, ha- having two kids, really young kids is enough to handle. Uh, in addition to that, unfortunately, is also a huge time shift. Uh, she's on the West Coast. Most of us are more on the East Coast side of things in terms of um, time zone. So I'm going to be switching more into a uh, when she can sort of schedule. So um, hopefully you'll see her soon. But if not, we're going to continue chugging along and getting these out there, uh, hopefully at a more uh, reasonable schedule going forward. But yeah, so we decided to talk about Benji this time. Um, and funnily enough, I think, Michael, you were the one that advocated for this, which kind of surprised me. Because as far as I'm concerned, like, as far as I remember, you gave this a listen, like, way back in the day, and then, like, that was it. Like, you never really listened to it again, you never talked about it again. So I'm kind of curious why it kind of came back up onto your radar. Yeah, so I listened to this, yeah, once, I think, when... Uh, I forget how we got this album, which maybe you can describe that, um, later, but I, yeah, I, I remember this album, I remember kind of, kind of enjoying it, um, kind of with, and we'll get into this kind of with its candidness and just kind of conversational tone, right? I kind of appreciated that. It kind of was like, oh, you're just sitting with some dude with a guitar, uh, guitar and he's just kind of, um, talking through his recent life experiences and just kind of almost data dumping a little bit. And I kind of appreciated that. Um, and when we kind of came back and I kind of messaged you, I'm like, man, it's been a while since we've done this. I was looking on the microphone on the shelf. I figured this one would be a good um, coming back uh, to the podcast uh, album, just because I feel like it, w- it it was going to for sure facilitate some interesting discussions. Cause I remember it being very kind of story driven and very lyrical as opposed to instrumental. So I kind of wanted to revisit that. And since I would be probably looking at it through a new lens, since first time I listened to it, I must have been maybe sophomore in college, if not freshman, or maybe earlier. I, I, I'm not quite sure if I remember the exact date, but um, yeah, it must have been sophomore year of college if this was 2014. Um, and I listened to it, like you said, only once, and I kind of wanted to give it another listen after not having listened to it for four to five years. So 
um, yeah, it was kind of more intrigue of like, oh, I wonder how this holds up with a different kind of life perspective, kind of like how I discuss a few of Suburbs. I mean, albums kind of tend to do that over time is if you don't listen to them for a while, then repop them in and you kind of, after having some different life experiences and just being older, you kind of have a different perspective. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was curious to kind of look back at this and give it a shot. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think we'll circle back to, you know, our general impressions uh, once I address your uh, initial question. So how how did I discover this? Because I was the one, you're right, that uh, sent you the original link. And um, I, I had found out about it from the Needle Drop, super famous uh, internet, busiest internet music nerd, excuse me, uh, also known for having the best teeth in the game. Uh, so I had first started, you know, watching his videos and his reviews. He's a music reviewer on YouTube. And uh, at that time, I had just gotten my first subscription to a streaming music service at the time, Beats, which is now Apple Music. Oh, but that's at the right. time, it was Beats. And um, I was like, if I'm paying, and at the time, it was a lot of money to me. If like, I'm paying 10 bucks or what was it, 15 bucks, like a month, like I'm getting my money's worth out of this. So like that time period was a huge expansion of like musical discovery for me. And like, I still do watch the Needle Drops reviews and I still do get a few like recommendations from him. But at the time I was like really invested in not only his recommendations and his like every video he published, but also like just looking up like, Oh, recommended for use, uh, on like, you know, iTunes and, uh, um, going on reddits for the bands that I liked and seeing, uh, recommended artists and things there. So I was hugely into like trying out different things at that time. And so I stumbled onto this one and what originally drew me to it, honestly, was, the album art. So nothing about the review itself. Like I, I remember that it got a good review from him. I remember thinking, Oh, the album art's so pretty. And it is, it is a gorgeous mm-hmm. album. It looks like, uh, or album art rather. It looks like someone's in a car and they take like a, what would normally be kind of an, uh, a shitty Instagram, uh, vignette <laughs> style photo. Um, but it came out very, very well, in my opinion. You got, the, like, a stark contrast of the the sky blue and, uh, like, the golden grains of, you know, infinite cornfields in the distance, which reads very similar to, um, like, my experiences growing up, and I'm sure yours as well, growing up in uh, Illinois. Like, you're kind of, look to your left, corn, look to your right, corn, you are corn, welcome to Illinois. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. and funnily enough, uh, that's on point, that uh, observation, because, I mean, a lot of these songs, the stories uh, in them either take place or touch on uh, his home and his family's home, which is in Ohio, which is mm-hmm. very, very close to Illinois. So um, kind of felt a kinship there. Um, but yeah, so I, I saw that and that kind of caught my radar and I gave it a listen. Um, and uh, you had mentioned before that it's actually very light on instrumentation. It's 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 heavy, lyrical songs heavy heavy there's a lot of words uh it's all story based uh little like slices out of his life little experiences and then like expanded on in very very meticulous detail it's it's very verbose and that might be a turn off to some people i can understand but and usually honestly it is for me as well um there's kind of a thing which i guess he started um which is called kind of either lovingly or not, depending on who's saying it, mumble folk. <laughs> so it's not just folk, it's it's mumble folk. And um, funnily enough, it's kind of still being used today. Like there's um, uh, Flea Fox's most recent record, uh, Crack Up, has a lot of like little mumble folk 
uh, uh, slices in it where, um, you know, a, a few verses will be like more mumbled and not really sung at all, more like spoken word. And mm-hmm. then it would get like into song, like actual singing, and then back into the spoken word kind of mumble folk aspect. So, um, as far as I'm aware, like one of the biggest players in that becoming a thing is Sunkill Moon and, uh, Mark Kozilek, the, creative guy behind Sunken Moon. It's his solo work, his solo projects. And uh, yeah, I originally, when I was going through this period, uh, not to go too much on a tangent here, but I'm going to continue. When I uh, first started listening to, you know, all these different records and things, um, I was listening to the background. I was doing a lot of schoolwork at the time, and it was background noise to me. And, you know, some of the ones uh, rose above, some didn't, but I revisited later. In fact, one of the albums we covered recently was that uh grand hotel was one of those records that i discovered during this period kind of forgot about put on the shelf and then came back to later in life and really grew an appreciation for but this is one that was a very rare case where like i started playing it and halfway through the first song carissa i i dropped what i was doing I went to my couch, sat down, and for the next hour, it's a long record, it's an hour and two minutes uh, duration, that's a long record, Um, maybe not super long compared to today's, like, triple album nonsense that, you know, some artists are doing nowadays, but it was long for me at the time, and, like, no, I, it immediately pulled me in, and it was a super quick, it felt super quick and was super easy to listen to, which is astonishing because usually heavy lyrical content and heavy songs with like a lot of words, a lot of things to constantly, you know, analyze and digest um, are kind of exhausting in my opinion. Like, and, and I didn't get that at all from this. It was a super smooth listen and by the end of it, I don't want to spoil things too much, but like by the end of it, I was like ugly sobbing. It was it was a experience that I was not expecting because I was in the middle of like my software engineering homework for the night, and uh, that did not get done. <laughs> so yeah, it was at that moment I sent it to you. I'm like, you you got to listen to this. Yeah, yeah, and I I mean you're you're exactly right. I it's very yeah conversationally candid, and it really does kind of suck you in because you feel like you're in this mute second chair um with mark and what's nice about that i think he really pulls it off because really there's not a whole lot of other harmon like harmonies or other singers there are a little bit here and there but it's not it's not over the top it's it's more to accentuate i guess yeah the focus is always on him yes yeah yes and it like an exception for a couple of songs it's they're very just kind of like he's just plucking at his guitar just to keep a rhythm of speech almost like it's not like he has a certain cadence to the lyrics that match like the beat of the music right there's kind of a bit of a disconnect there but it's i kind of like it because it is it brings the focus on the lyrics um and you're exactly right i mean like for the duration of this it's it's an hour and hell some of the songs here are 10 and a half minutes was uh track eight yeah it's long and it, you look at the lyrics and it's it i mean it's it's all lyrics there's not a whole lot where he's just playing um and so that i, I agree it just it, it kind of sucks you in with that just because it's it's different um and I, I definitely will echo that i mean i i think as my my top note after listening to this was this is a hard listen um it really is a hard listen so you didn't think it was like i i didn't think it was a hard listen at all surprisingly so i would say 
auditorily, it's an easy listen, but I would say emotionally, it's a hard listen. Oh, I see. Yes, I would. I would agree. <laughs> so it is not something that it's what I would like to describe as it's entertainment that you sit down and you, it's something you have to digest. It's not an album that you put on to unwind at the end of the day. No. <laughs> that is, no. it is definitely not. Death permeates this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single song here, but not every single one, but like I think all but two focus on either past deaths, recent deaths, uh, mass killings, uh, yeah. uh, fearing for loved ones' deaths, um, uh, hell, like your, the the fear of you know his own death, and that only turns inward towards near the end, starting with uh, Rick Moreras uh, died today of natural causes. Mm-hmm. It's a third to last song, and then the last song, Ben's my friend. Um, the rest of it's like uh, outward, like others' deaths, past mm-hmm. deaths, um, and it's just. It's everywhere here. Yeah, it's very much Mark. The way I, the phrase I wrote down here, because there, like, I kind of bolted like a couple of phrases that were like my high level impressions, and I guess like, yeah, my vague takeaway from this is it's like a cathartic offloading of life experiences, feelings, and stories. You could, you could just kind of almost sense that he's almost. It, you kind of get a sense of relief from him just telling these stories and writing it down and putting it to lyrics and to music. You can kind of sense the catharsis there for him, but I mean, like you said, it's 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 very melancholy. It's it's adult kind of midlife retrospection. Like I got shit to tell. Like I just need to get this off my chest. There's a lot. Like all these things have happened, but I will say, like as much as we're discussing that, is it's a hard emotional listen and it's very death and uh, kind of dark subject matter focused. There are, like, hints of sweetness to be found in this album, and I would say I definitely get an inspiration to express thanksgiving and gratefulness from listening to this album, and I think one of the things I just kind of learned from it was, like, everyone kind of thinks of themselves as the protagonist in their own story, right? Mm -hmm. And this one, this album is one of those scenes that just makes you be like, oh, crap, like, anything can happen, and like it can't happen to you or the ones you love so like it's just life you gotta you gotta take it in stride and i don't know it's just it's that kind of attitude that like you just the stories and we'll get into the stories the stories are told in these lyrics it's just it's kind of like this happened like it's just it's and it's all like and mark is the kind of common thread between it all it's all kind of spider webbing off of him because he's the one that's telling the stories but it's just like, man, I gotta feel bad for him because this just it's just a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. I think that's why for me it was such an easy listen, even though emotionally, yes, it is it's a lot to take in. Um it's not a lot to digest because a lot of like a lot of all of the lyrics here are so honest. It doesn't try to make things flowery. It it just kind of describes mm. his situations and his observations. This is what I see. This is what happened. I did this. Someone else said this to me. Yeah, yeah. There there isn't a whole lot of embellishment and flowerly like descriptions. And it, it's yeah, you're very right. It's very straightforward. It's mm-hmm. well, well, it's it's hard to describe this because he does go on tangents, mm-hmm. but. The way he talks about those tangents and sings about those tangents, it's not, like, done in a very poetic, 
uh, flowery style. It's very, like, matter-of-fact. Yeah, that's, that's a better way of putting it, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, there's not a whole lot to, like, you don't have to pick apart the lyrics, be like, where is the symbolism? Where is this? Where is that? So what generally are your impressions? Because I know how I feel about this, but I'm curious. It sounds like you're generally positive on your, at least your second, you know, you're revisiting to this. Yeah, I'm I'm positive overall in terms of, I would say, the impact it has. Because it is just like, it it, it will make you kind of choke up at some points. Um, just well, because it kind of makes you think back to either experiences in your life or just think about your loved ones. And it just, I would say it's positive in the sense that it makes me think and makes me think um, like um, introspectively, right? And it makes me think about um, people in my life and the impact they have on me and being thankful for that, that they don't have X, Y, Z bad things happening to them and all things said and told, they're in relatively good health and condition. Nothing really bad happening. Like it, it, it truly is. That is the positive takeaway I have from this. But like I said before, this is not an album I'm going to seek out often. Um, so it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of a both positive in the sense of the message and takeaway. But I mean, I think after we're done with this, this album's going to kind of sit retired in my library, and I probably won't touch it for a very very long time. Um, just because it is, yeah, it is just, it's not, and I mean this in all, all the best description, it's not a pleasant listen, if that makes sense, in terms of it's, it's kind of like Pixar's up the beginning portion of the movie wrote an album. It's it, it kind of, it, it it's, you gotta be prepared for it. You gotta want it. So I guess that's kind of like my overall takeaway on second listen, because the first listen, I just kind of appreciated it. I didn't really read too much in the lyrics. I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It's just very candid and honest. Um, and it's kind of stripped back like, oh, OK. But now listening back to it, I, I, I'm definitely stripping more away of that that kind of introspection from there. I think this one's going to go back on the shelf and acquire some dust <laughs> after this podcast, if that makes sense. And back you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. So I don't know. What What about you? Well, I can totally respect that, though. Like, there a lot of, um, honestly, most of my favorite records of all time, I like, I do rarely listen to. Um, and what I binge on are typically like new releases that I'm really into. And then when they run their course... Like they kind of pass, and then I don't revisit. But the like the ones that really are special come come back. Yeah, if it's any <laughs> if it's any surprise, I really do love this record. It is one of my favorites for all the reasons you mentioned about it being so candid, so honest, um, so pure, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. But for me, what makes it rise above and be an album that I constantly want to revisit and like um have up in the upper echelon of favorite albums is that the the album itself is so rewarding to listen to from front to back the album itself is so much more holistically than just the sum of its parts and the example that i can't help but go to is ben's my friend the last song on this record you cannot Listen to just Ben's My Friend 
it will have no impact on you at all. Like, I mean, you can listen to it and go like, I guess that's a song. I guess that's a sax. He's talking about a sports bar and like this guy, Ben. Okay. It's going to have no impact. And he doesn't discuss Ben or sports bars (laughs) or anything of the sort anywhere else on this record. But nonetheless, in context, that last song is probably one of the most rewarding emotional payoffs I've Mm. seen in a record. Like, it is tops. Um, And that's because every single song on this record is building up to an emotional resolution. Every single song builds on itself, like, exponentially in terms of getting you into the state of mind with its subject matter, with the honesty, and then... Ben's My Friend comes, and it, the, everything makes sense. The whole forest comes into view. It's crippling. It really is. Like, I, I just folded, like, a deck of cards when everything kind of came together for me. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Ben's My Friend is, it is the nice, quote-unquote, cherry on top, like, culmination of kind of all the emotions that are kind of brought up in this album. And I, I agree, you kind of, if you just listen to it one off, it it's going to be kind of like, oh, okay, like, instrumentals are kind of nice here, but yeah, it, it, you need the context of the album, I think, I agree, to get the get the full impact of that. All right, so I'm, I do have some songs here in particular that I would like to touch on. Um, I, I'm sure you do as well, so. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's step through it. I'm sure we're going to have some overlap. I know I have a couple here where I didn't have much to say. But um, I'm sure we're going to have, uh, I have others where I have um, good chunks, good chunks yeah. to say. Yeah, uh, and honestly, most of the, the notes I have are more like picking out particular lines that really stuck out and are kind of like the tent poles of the song emotionally, in my opinion. Carissa, you know, opener of the album, his second cousin, Carissa, uh, died at 35 from an aerosol can fire. Uh, from throwing her way her trash, and uh, it's a, it's a very emotional song. And uh, at one point, he's um, you know through the song, he's trying to find kind of trying to make meaning out of this, you know, for himself and for her both, finding deeper meaning in kind of this tragedy that happened. And at one point, he's talking about like, how did this even happen? Like, was it you who mistakenly put uh, flammables in the trash? Or was it just your kids being kids? If so, the guilt they'll carry with them forever. It's like, oh my god, that's terrible. And and when it make matters even worse, it's revealed later that this isn't even the first time that this has happened in his family. Yeah, this is a common theme. Yeah. <laughs> his uncle also died in an aerosol can fire at a bonfire in uh, uh, Ohio, Navarre. So it's it's terrible it's absolutely terrible like that's got to be quite a sucker punch to have this anomaly of a weird cause of death where for carissa's sake yeah she's throwing out the trash then for his uncle's sake uh to quote him doing kind of redneck shit a burning trash right holy shit like something just no one would think of to be a cause of just like just wrong place wrong time but yeah this is definitely the like the up style opener where it's like, okay, what is this album? And this kind of really level sets and kind of sets the tone, I think, for what the listener's going to experience throughout. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know exactly what you're getting into when Carissa comes in. Like, I'm singing about my second cousin who died from an aerosol can fire. She was 35. 
you know exactly how this album's going to go from here on out. And not in a bad way. It's like it it sets this massive stage for everything else to to proceed. Yeah, and that's and this one has um it's one of the few songs where it's more harmony uh based um where kind of the the chorus I guess um is a little bit more harmonic where he has um some adjoining that that's kind of like the welcoming aspect I think of the album is like those little hints oh, okay like this this does have some good good little tidbits of instrumentation throughout um that really kind of stick out Chris, who is 35, you don't just raise two kids and take out your trash and die. She was my second cousin, I didn't know her well at all, but it don't mean that I wasn't. Meant to find some poetry to make some sense of this, to find a deeper meaning. senseless tragedy oh Carissa I'll sing your name across every sea yeah this one this one's kind of it's just sad um because I mean as he describes his second cousin Carissa was I think a, a teenage mother, so had kids early, and she was making a living, making it happen, and it just crap like this happens, and she gets taken away. So it's just, I don't know. My my takeaway from this is just there's no guarantees in life. <laughs> Something just a freak accident can always happen, um, and I think that's just what kind of Mark is dealing with in this this album. It's just like how do you how do you cope with that? It's just like like this sounded like a very great person that albeit had kind of a, a tough early teenage life of probably having kids, but was making it happen and making it work. And something like this happens. It's like, yeah, things like this happen out of the blue seemingly. And then, you know, that really does segue, I think emotionally really well into, I can't live without my mother's love. I mean, I was talking before about this record is just, brutally honest like i can't live without my mother's love like who who writes things like this yeah i'm not saying that's not true i i think everyone with you know a somewhat decent mother and i certainly hope everyone out there can say that but everyone out there i would hope feels that way like i i can't live without my mother's love i really can't and um uh this song is just it's heart (laughs) it's heartbreaking Mm mm-hmm like my mother is 75 she's the closest friend i have in this life and it's it, just a whole bunch of uh, expansions on that sort of that thought and about like i i don't think i can have the courage to you know sort through her things when the time comes and a wither away like lemon trees in the snow and just like oh man it's it's it gets to the heart of it yes. very quickly my mother is 75, one day she won't be here to hear me cry. When the day comes for her to let go, I'll die off like a burning tree in the snow. When the day comes for her to leave, I won't. 
With my sisters and all our memories I cannot bear all the pain it will bring Yes, this one I, I think definitely had the I would say the biggest impact on me on this album, um, just in the sense of some recent family experiences. Um, my takeaway from this, I don't think anyone is truly prepared to see their parents age, suffer from illness or, or pass. Like, I, I don't think anyone is ever truly prepared for that. And kind of one of the thoughts I had while listening to this was growing up young as a kid, in a technical sense, I always understood that, like, okay, grandparents are our parents' parents. Like, oh, of, of course. But as a kid, at least myself, lacked a certain amount of, like, emotional, empathetic understanding of that relationship. Because, like, I always, like, knew our relationship with our parents, but I never quite was able to get gain the understanding and connection that's like, well, our parents have that same relationship with their parents, which are grandma and grandpa. Until kind of this past spring... I would say I kind of had subconsciously held on to that belief that, oh, like mom and dad are constant in this unaging thing in my life. And that's not the case. And I would say just definitely our, our past family experiences have really kind of brought that to light. And that's just a lot of what I was thinking with listening to this album is that like I definitely could empathize a little bit with the feelings that I'm sure Mark was feeling while writing this. It's definitely tough to like have that come to light that's like okay like our parents are already grandparents because of our niece and nephew um and so it's just kind of like wow like this i now can understand and understand the struggle and so that was this one definitely was a very tough one for me to listen to but i also really appreciated it because it came kind of at the right time um, just because of these recent experiences we have been having. And I guess to kind of turn the topic more to positive on, on this. <laughs> um, so I would say, is there anything that like either of our parents do, Mark, that you like you would find kind of that you like appreciate that they do that they almost just kind of do as naturally, right? Because I, I think that's kind of what this guy's getting at. It's just a natural relationship, this love between them two. And it kind of got me thinking, like, what am I, like, what do I take for granted and truly do appreciate with, like, our relationship with our parents? And that's that's at least what this one really kind of made me think about, um, in addition to kind of bringing up those kind of thoughts and recent experiences I had. Yeah, for me, it's the selflessness. They make it seem so effortless, both, you know, our parents um, differently, I would say, uh, in different cases, but both together, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's something I try to channel in my life as well. Um, and it's hard. Like, it's it's hard not to be selfish. I, I think I inherently I'm a very selfish person. And um, I think everyone is. And it's it's... The trouble is, you know, kind of rising above that and trying to rise above that in every you know opportunity you get. Um, and you're not always going to do it well, and you're always not going to do it right. But the the effort is what matters, you know. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, at least now I see and recognize the effort that both parents uh, put in. Um, and you know, I maybe didn't recognize it as much as I should have, if at all, you know, growing up. Yeah, you definitely start to gain an appreciation for it once. 
once you start seeing your own check in the mail and you're like, how the freak <laughs> they raise us? <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. Um, I would say, like, t- to answer my own question, I, w- I would say it definitely is the, yeah, it's just the unquestioning support where I can always reach out and call them whenever, right? And like, I kind of some, pe- I think some people have those relationships with their friends where they can talk to certain friends about anything. Um, but there are, there are certain things where I only want to talk to mom and dad about because I know that they will always have my best interest in mind. Like, I can always trust their input. Um, and I can always, I can always feel like I'm, it's open to reach out. Right. And I would say that's, that's definitely something I, I appreciate and I think at times take for granted. It's just that they're always there, either a text or a call away, for sure. Moving on to Truck Driver, musically, um, instrumentally, this is definitely a change from the previous two. Um, the previous two songs uh, had similar styles. You had um, guitar uh, with, you know, kind of backing guitars as well in some cases, you know, maybe during the chorus. Um, but it was um, guitars with a lot of reverb, a lot of echo. And Truck Driver instead, kind of pulls it back and it's 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 a lot of the, the the lower strings on the guitar and it's very plodding instead of kind of airy and um ethereal like the first two songs and um i think it definitely fit the tone of truck driver and it was definitely kind of a breath of fresh air after those two uh previous songs not that this isn't heavy emotionally it does feel a little bit like a little bit of a reprieve because um he focuses, yes, on his um, his uncle, a truck driver who also died from an aerosol can fire. But he also reminisces a lot about his childhood there, um, you know, visiting and uh, uh, catching frogs and hearing his cousin's friend play guitar and, you know, first feeling inspired to play music himself from that. So there's there's other things here besides just... Uh, just more focus on death. Not that that's a problem, but there's definitely enough um, of a mix-up throughout the record to keep things fresh, keep things going. I was probably five at their home in Navarre My cousin's friend was in the yard playing guitar We all gathered round, listened to her play and sing, and I fell into a trance and knew that one day I'd do the same thing. Yeah, I would say um, one of my favorite lyrics out of this is the is just like kind of the final verse. He said, "And after the funeral out there in Navarre, they all gathered around while I picked up a guitar. They fell into a trance as I sang and played." And outside, the frogs croaked and the mandaces prayed. I just thought that was just a really nice tie-in and how he brought in his... It's like those echoes of the childhood experiences. I mean, that's kind of what this podcast and website is about, right? It's those memories that are strongly connected to auditory um, experiences, right? Um, albums are a really nice package way of, of having that and facilitate that. But it definitely can happen through other media. Like, I mean just even natural sounds that can evoke strong memories um, and stuff like that. So I don't know, I, that, that's the main thing I kind of took away from this one I really liked. Kind of reminded me a little bit of our own uncle and uh, going up north to Wisconsin to his place. Yes, and, do, and doing some of her own redneck shit up there. <laughs> yeah, this oh, one, it, it, it still is just, 
I don't know. Like, I, it kind of makes like the last verse also kind of makes me think about some of the, the like the few funeral experiences I've had, where afterwards usually food is served or you go out to a restaurant and kind of like him playing guitar, like there is that remembrance and kind of you kind of feel the room kind of almost have a bit of relief because the people who were directly related to the one that passed were obviously like stressed out as all hell, probably trying to get everything together for a funeral and dealing with um, how to sort out the possessions, how to take care of all of those things. And that this last verse kind of evoked to me those experiences of like, okay, afterwards, like in that restaurant, everyone kind of is able to relax a little bit and, appreciate the life that their loved one had and kind of share a laugh in this case have kentucky fried chicken um and i don't know like it just again it's the little details of this album that really just for me kind of bring up these memories and experiences and i don't know it's just it, and again he does it in just a very kind of matter of fact straightforward way it's not like he's jumping through several lyrical hoops to get there. Yep. There's a lot of little things that we would think are superfluous. Like, this doesn't account to anything. Why are you bringing this up? But I think it does matter. It's very much continues to set his emotional state up and uh, continue to grow the emotional state that listeners have are continuing to 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 gain from this. And um, it's very stream of consciousness. It has the same benefits that like stream of consciousness, um, novel writers and uh, poets and other kinds of, you know, other written um, artists have where, you know, stream of consciousness is definitely an artistic style and has many merits to it, has a lot of problems with it, but also a <laughs> lot of things that make it, you know, valuable artistically. Mm-hmm. And I think this leverages a lot of what, you know, stream of consciousness and those contexts uh, get. So moving on to dogs, speaking of continuing to kind of keep things fresh, there's definitely differences in each song to to kind of keep you uh, invested, even though uh, most of these songs is, as you said, like basically guitar and singing. Um, and this one is no exception. And I always really appreciated the intro to this. So dogs, um, basically, he's going through his laundry list of ex-lovers, more or less, and um the first verse when he does so is incredibly compressed the point is very quiet and um and you're like what what is going on and it's like the very first experience he had the girl where he gave a kiss to a girl on the cheek and uh she hit him with her purse and um and then like after that the song sonically opens up and that compression is dropped and suddenly you, you got that soundscape that the album had before but the effect is so much greater Despite, you know, the volume not really changing overall, the dynamic range difference there makes the impact of when the compression is dropped all the more satisfying. Behind me and I couldn't breathe 
throughout the song, um, there were things here that really stuck out to me. First of all, like that, like, I feel like I shouldn't even be hearing this. There's no filter here. It's just the laundry list of things that he's experienced through his life, um, love wise. And like, it starts really young too. Like, what was it? Sixth grade or fifth grade or something like that. And, um, instrumentally, again, there's not a lot of crazy instrumentation on this album. There's really not, but there's little embellishments here and there that really kind of accentuate things. And I think really, um, uh, build up, you know, emotionally, uh, specific pieces where it can, you know, where it's needed. Um, like here, there's a lot of sloppy double tracking. For example, the first kind of chorus that comes in on, there's not really a chorus, but rather the vocals expand to a chorus. Um, you know, double tracking, uh, Michael, uh, if you're not aware, like that's a common, I don't want to say trick, but uh, mastering technique that musicians and producers can leverage to make sound sound better, um, particularly vocals, um, where you're effectively, you record something as you're singing, and you literally record yourself singing that same part again. And that's all you do. You record it once with you singing and you record it again with you singing and you try your damnedest to match your exact inflections and things. And what that gets you is it sounds, or, you know, when it comes together well, it sounds like there's just one voice, but there's a lot more behind it than if it's just a single voice. Like a single voice can sound in some situations a little bit more brittle, a little bit more frail, a little bit more paper thin, um, and double tracking helps kind of um, uh, offset that. And that's not really a thing nowadays. We automatically double track in a lot of cases um, where, um, you know, with digital technology nowadays, I think this first came around in like the late 1960s, where they effectively have the first, you know, vocal recording automatically offset by a few milliseconds so Mm. you don't have to meticulously go back and re-record certain pieces of the performance you can just automatically have it happen and it's even more indistinguishable when that happens now because everything is basically perfect from the first performance just you know offset a little bit um but here (laughs) he's not doing that it's Mm. a super sloppy double tracking which is very much intentional in my opinion it continues expanding until I, I think it's not just him. I think some other vocalists come in. It's kind of hard to tell near the end because it all kind of uh, soups together into like this. It almost sounds like they're howling animals at the end and not like people singing, um, which I, I can't help but feel is intentional as well because it's this is the only real song where that kind of inflection is done. So uh, it's done to great effect. Yeah, no, I I agree. I just yeah, it's it's truly is like a play for play kind of data dump on this guy's love life for sure. Um, and you're right, he does not hold any details back. Um, but it's it's just nice to like it's kind of refreshing because a lot of people will tiptoe around words or what they actually are saying, and he's just like, nah, fuck it. Like, <laughs> and I don't know, like I I appreciate that of this, but. I also just kind of, 
it it just it, I feel like a, a lot of people could probably relate to at least a select experience that he reports here because it is just a a lot of young love not knowing what you're doing goofing around stuff that he just kind of dumps into this uh into the song um and um one of the ones that I I really liked was in the sense of kind of just I guess like you could kind of relate to it because I feel like most people have had that like where you find someone but then there's no spark and then you kind of slowly drift away kind of thing right um I think I think most people can relate to that one and um or is it Deborah? She makes eggs. She's oh, like, she seemed so nice. She makes <laughs> eggs in the morning. Such a sweet gal. And like, it's one of those scenes too, where it's like, I feel like people can, that's, that's an easy one for people to relate to is the, it's either good on paper or why wouldn't I do this? But then there's really no desire there. And it just kind of bleh, flops, right? That is probably the one that I really kind of related to and latched onto for, for this song but um i agree this this is kind of a a bit of a, a jolt kind of lyrically and instrumentally from the other ones where you're kind of more stripped back acoustic this one is a little bit more a little bit more loud and almost in your face a little bit yeah it's just <laughs> i like this last line here it's a complicated place this planet we're on <laughs> like it's the understatement of the goddamn century <laughs> i well what i like about it too is just like yeah no one really ever knows what they're doing at times like everyone's figuring it out as they go right i mean it's kind of one of those scenes where you always get the sense that adults know what they're doing with when it comes to love and all that but um everyone is just kind of following their feelings and and what they what they think and i mean anything can happen i guess right is the it's kind of, I guess, what he's kind of getting at, right? Speaking of anything can happen, oh boy, pray for Newton. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, this is one of the ones that I remember sticking out to you, particularly, because I remember when you first listened to it, and the only time you listened to it uh, until recently, you were like, I don't know if I like this, because, <laughs> like, he's doing that guilt trip thing. I hate when people do that. <laughs> so... I can elaborate more on this because <laughs> I'm still holding on to the same feeling. This is the one where I think he, he it could have been done better. And I think he slid into more of the easier delivery of the message. I was a junior in high school when I turned the TV. Chance Huberty went to a restaurant, shot everyone up with the machine gun. My hometown. We talked about it till the sun went down. And everybody got up and stretched and yawned and their lives went on. And I just left safe. So essentially the message is these shootings have happened. Like we need to always like remember them and and kind of to inspire a little bit of like I guess Thanksgiving appreciation for one situation that like, hey, you weren't those kids that had the misfortune or those parents that had the misfortune of losing their kids in this shooting. Um, and it's meant, I think, to in- inspire action and a little bit of, yeah, like appreciation and Thanksgiving. But I'm going to put this song in the same bucket of Do They Know It's Christmas Time by uh, Band-Aid. Um, I'm going to put it in that bucket because it falls into 
like it's failing to deliver the message in the sense that it borderlines guilt and accusations almost to the listener. In, in my opinion, it forces the listener to knee jerk away from the underlying good hearted message. For example, like he writes this, uh, he writes a good line, I think with the Christmas verse here. And I think he, he pulls it off and he does it well, but then it's like, he kind of loses the control over it in the birthday verse dude like <laughs> too far i get it <laughs> like okay are you saying that no one should have a good birthday like i don't know it's just it's it, so the uh, the verse is so when your birthday comes and you're feeling pretty good baking cakes and opening gifts stuffing your mouth full of food take a moment for the children who lost their lives think of the families and how they mourn and cry so when your birthday comes and you're feeling pretty good Baking cakes and opening gifts and stuffing your mouth with food. Take them all for the children who lost their lives. Think of their families and how they're mourning. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> oh my god, way to poo poo on everyone's birthday. It's an important message. But because of the way you deliver it, I think it loses its loses its effect um, on actually um, sticking with the listener. Um, I disagree. <laughs> all right, you can disagree, but I don't know. Me personally, I don't care for this one. I can pass, but it, because I think he was close to making it work, and it's like that one verse, and I'm like, dude, you were so close, and... I feel like you're ending up in the same bucket as some of these other songs. Mm, okay, I disagree, and the only reason I do is because, in, in most cases, I don't really care who the artist behind songs is. I really don't. Uh, there's a lot of people about, like, oh, don't support this person because X, Y. Don't support this person because X and Y. Like, I... I don't put any stock to that. I really don't. Um, if we did, then, like, we should never be listening to, like, Beatles stuff because John Lennon was a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> and then you got, like, just a laundry list of artists with criminal records and things. And, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if I like a piece of art, I will listen to it or I will read it or I will watch it. Like, I'm not signing up for this laundry list of historical stuff if like if i like something i like something i i can't like i'm sorry if that offends people but that's like i'm gonna be honest about you know how i react to art i'd be lying to myself if i said oh now that i know this i don't like this anymore well i do like this i hate the person behind it maybe now but Mm -hmm. like i still like this thing they've created there's Mm -hmm. a separation between what people do and an individual themselves the reason this doesn't bother me that much is because like it's not it's not like a person like john lennon singing it where like you know happy christmas war is over or whatever which you know is kind of similar to the thing that you mentioned like i I don't buy it. I really don't. Like, I get what you're trying to do, but I feel like I, I don't feel it's genuine at all. It's very corporate and record company. This will sell. Yeah. Well, not even that. It's just like, I know your history. There's no getting around that. And like, sure, the song might sound nice, but like, it's not genuine to me because I know that in your like private life, this is not like representative for what you do and who you are. So it just does not match up at all but here with mark kozalek this record and everything that he's speaking about and you know 
sure, he can be a little bit, uh, he can make some mistakes in his private life, you know, if you go to your wiki, the wiki, there's some stuff there. But at the same time, like, I, I do not get the impression he's a bad guy. I do not. And um, I do feel that when he's saying here that, like, this, all these events have affected me, and I, like, I'm kind of shocked it doesn't affect other people. I genuinely feel he's being honest here in that representation. It sort of negates the feelings that you, for at least me, that you mentioned before about like, well, come on, man, <laughs> you know, cheer up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just the delivery of the message. I agree wholeheartedly that this is the person I would want to hear the message from because I agree. I don't think it's going to be laden with either corporate influence or it's going to be because it's coming from someone that has their own crap going on and it kind of feels uh, hypocritic, right? Or hi- hypocritical. <laughs> hypocritical. Yeah, that's the word. Um, but yeah, so I agree. It's just, in my opinion, he just kind of fails because that's, I don't think that's the way you, in, you inspire people to think, I think, the way he wants them to think. I don't know. Yeah, this one, I could pass on it. Um, this is the only one that I was kind of not a fan of on the on the album, just because I thought it came really close. And then there's like one verse, and I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> you're so close. Yeah, it's. Uh, truth be told, it's not my favorite on the record either. I still think it's a very good song, and I think it needs to be there. But again, it's it's you know, it's not my favorite. So speaking of favorites, though, Jim Wise, it's one of my favorites. It's oh, I I agree. This one is it's a great one. It's a great mm-hmm. one. So like every song up to this point has primarily featured guitar as the backing instrument and then you know vocals and maybe some extra embellishments on the guitar and maybe like a few like sparse additional instruments here and there when necessary but like it's very much been guitar driven songs jim wise there's not a guitar in sight here it is like what what is that instrument it's like a the Rhodes keys or something like it's and it's just a it plots along Throughout the entire song, just like a single, like note after note, not really any crazy chords or anything, just note after note plucking away at the Rhodes keys. And it's, it is so special and beautiful because of that. It sticks out as being so simple and different than every other song here. And I think it fits the kind of sad story of, you know, this man, Jim Wise, very, uh, very uh, aptly. Spent a day with my dad and his old friend, Jim Wise He's on house arrest and he sits around inside We brought him food from Panera Bread The snoring sun rolled out of bed He talked about his 90 Corvette his warehouse job and his knee replacement. It kind of sounds like you're in a bit of a grocery store, like background music. I mean, no, but genuinely, it kind of yeah. does. It feel because that it almost feels like an intermission, um, mm-hmm. in, in in a good way. Like I feel like you can, even though the subject matter is again, like I mean, it is Benji, it is Sun Kill Moon. It's it like it does not let up the subject matter but at the same time emotionally i feel like it's a little bit of a reprieve because of that um yeah but, oh man mercy killing his wife like yeah euth- euthanasia man <laughs> euthanasia it's damn yeah mer- mercy killing uh, to put it simply it's that's what yeah this that's what this one's about and it's it is this is just this is one that really gets me it's just it's sad man <laughs> 
I guess the the question is, uh, you want to maybe describe, I guess, kind of the the background story, I guess, in terms of the lyrics, I guess. Of course. So the story of this song is this man, Jim Wise, um, had a wife uh, suffering from um, some undisclosed illness that crippled her or affected her ability to, like, you know, exist in this world, more or less. Like, it's kind of implied she was either uh, a vegetable, you know, uh, to put it bluntly, or was well on her way to becoming one. Mm -hmm. And this man, uh, assumedly with her permission, or maybe not, that actually is not revealed in the song, um, Mercy killed her, um, and attempted, after doing so, to do the same to himself <laughs> the gun jammed and he wasn't able to do it and by then the nurses had come in and uh he got arrested um so he's under house arrest in this song and um at the end of it uh mark mentions like yeah i don't see him staying in this house under house arrest like they're gonna lock him up for sure and it's right then that they go back to the bird bath that they mentioned at the beginning of the song about how it's empty and uh his wife used to love the birds in the bird bath, and then as he's leaving after this thought, there's a red cardinal in the bird bath, and it's just like, oh man, this is oh did I did I really say this felt like an emotional reprieve? Like I feel like I want to take that back. Yeah. It, this... it feels like an instrumental reprieve, but man, it is the subject matter in the song is is dense. Yes. Yeah, it's this is this is tough. Um I mean it's just again the straightforwardness that of the lyrics that he has, and he like, and when he told us about how much she loved the backyard garden and the budding ro- rose bush, and then I agree that that last that that's the one that I kind of picked out in my notes here was this these last two lines was the bright red cardinal, the empty bird bath I spent today with my dad and his friend Jim Wise, and it's just like oh that's just that's sad. His trial's coming up in the fall And he sighed when we stepped out and we left And I pointed out the pretty cardinal Perched on the empty bird bath The bright red cardinal And the empty bird bath Spent today with my dad and his friend That is the one kind of point I think of a bit of symbolism and stuff that you could kind of read into with some of these lyrics. Um, is just kind of the he lost half of himself essentially, right? I mean, he lost his wife, and I think that Burbath lyric kind of really illustrates that that emptiness there i mean you're missing half of the component there so no yeah this one's this one's tough i agree i like the the instrumentation in it and i think he does a really good job of with these lyrics painting the picture of being in this guy's house and it's kind of dusty you can tell like the life has lost the house or the the life of the house is left, essentially. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, right? It's kind of dusty, and it's just (laughs) kitchen cabinets are full of baked beans. I have a feeling that's because he doesn't cook. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's it's a house, but it's no longer a home. Yes, that's that's a great way of putting it. And, like, the empty bird bath, and the presumably unkempt now backyard garden, and, and rose bushes. Yeah, it's, this is sad. This is, <laughs> this is not, not a, 
I guess, an emotionally enjoyable one. And it gets you thinking, like, I mean, granted, we don't have all the details, but, like, should this guy be sent to jail? Presumably, he's in his elderly age, considering Mark is writing this in his 40s and it's his dad's friend. This guy has to be probably in his 70s and 80s. I mean, this gets into whole morality and ethics discussion, but it's just, I mean, you you listen to the song, you're like, you kind of can argue both sides of it and see it pending the details that we have at hand here, right? Yeah, this is tough. I like, I don't, would you really send a man like this to prison? I don't know. Like, it, I don't think anyone has a clear-cut answer on that. I just love that the song brings that up into the consciousness of listeners, because um, Mercy Killing, um, deciding when it's my time to go, like having that agency, on one hand, you're committing suicide. That's, you know, we can't have that. But at the same time, like, if it's that or I'm literally going to lose my mind tomorrow, I like to think that I'd like to have that choice. But, you know, that's not legal currently in this country. And, you know, maybe for good reason. I'm not even saying that's wrong, but I am very happy that this song sort of makes people want to have that discussion, or at least that thought process in their head to make sure that their thoughts on this match what they actually think. Because a lot of times people make a snap judgment on what they think about something or what their opinion is on something without actually thinking about it. Like... And, and, and reassessing that opinion and re-executing that heuristic every once in a while to make sure that, like, your opinion, your actual opinion has not, you know, swayed or shifted from new experiences. I mean, that's how you grow as a person, is making sure that you're constantly reevaluating what you think is, you know, correct and what your personal opinions are, you know? So I, I appreciate the song for kind of having another little nudge towards, you know, reevaluating our current options in this country so yeah and yeah it definitely makes you think and i agree mark that's what i like about it is it it makes you think about a subject that is not pleasant to think about but presented anecdotally that really kind of makes you like because you 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 feel bad for this guy so it really makes you like not do a snap judgment it makes you kind of all right like what should happen in this scenario um, I guess not should, but what do I think should happen? Um, and I guess what I, the, the sadness I took out of this album is that it's obvious that this guy's life is like in this limbo, that he is sitting in his house and it's almost like the whole world is living without him. And he's, I mean, it's almost like this guy's already dead from the description of this. He's in stasis. Yeah. He's in purgatory. Yeah. And and exactly and that's like kind of the image i have in my mind is that this guy's just it is in his house and um mark and his dad visit and it's kind of like this passing like they're just kind of going to this other place and then when they leave they kind of go back into time and continue with their lives and he's still back there and maybe heading to prison or may just still be on house arrest it's just it's very sad to understand this guy's predicament like he i mean he's all intents and purposes he's probably emotionally dead and physically he's pretty much lost all freedom like it's it's a it's a sad thought to to deal with i guess with this one yeah i think the following song's placement is is 
intentionally done. I love my dad. Um, and honestly, I feel it's like the first uplifting question mark song on the <laughs> record. You know, going back to the honesty thing, like the title of the song is I Love My Dad. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, first of all, like, I mean, not many people, you know, and I, you know, you should say like, you know, hey, dad, I love you. Hey, mom, I love you. But I, I think particularly with dads, like, I mean, it's not something you hear very often is people saying, I love you, dad. Like, mm-hmm. it really does remind you. And it's sort of kind of like the Jim Wise thing, like reminding, um, you know, you to have that reevaluation and uh, on that topic. Here, it's reminding you, like, hey, like, you know, everyone, you know, hopefully has a dad, you know, and you love them. Like, you should tell them, like, I love you, dad. I love my dad. When I was young, my father taught me not to gloat If I came home too proud of myself I'd get wrestled to the floor and choked But I forgive him for that He was an 8th grade dropout And I was being a brat I forgive him, I do I know that he loves me And he knows I love him lessons that he goes through and the picture that he paints of his dad i i just love this like the lessons his dad taught like acceptance of others like the real like you do you man like your trip is your trip and my trip is my trip too and i'll mind my own business i'll have my own duels and you know my friend here will have a guinness and you know it's okay it's it's really it's okay um which is really really refreshing in kind of today's climate where i feel like the push for uh progress it gets very very aggressive and confrontational in many many cases um and i think goes too far in the other direction where it becomes very aggressive and uh confrontational and nasty in many many regards where it doesn't need to be in some cases absolutely it does um Mm. we we, we shouldn't nazis are bad guys (laughs) like i don't think it's i I shouldn't have to say this but like you know, of course we got cases like that, but I think there's a lot of cases that are more subtle and have a lot of gray area that there's been a lot of bad things happening with the intention of justice, but with the result of devastation, honestly. Um, and I, I feel like the acceptance of others, the true acceptance of others that the, his dad taught him and he, you know, talks about in this song is uh, really refreshing because of that. Um, and his dad, it's revealed, also was the one that got him his first guitar and introduced him to music. And he mentioned, like, my life is pretty good. I owe it to him. My dad did the best he could. And it's just, it's a really, it's a really sweet song and a really uplifting song because of that. Um, but it is not without, he even mentions, like, hold up. I'm not trying to say my dad's some kind of perfect saint. Like, he mentioned how he even got, like, I shouldn't be laughing about this, but it sounds like he got, like, beat by his dad. But that, like... They have since both kind of moved past that as Mm -hmm. people and have grown to be better. And um, the fact that they can still have, it seems like, a good relationship and for him to still say, like, I love you, Dad, and recognize the good as separate from the bad is, I think, you know, a more a sign on Mark's character than anyone else's. Um, And I I really like the song because of that. Yeah, this is one that I agree with. The title itself kind of jumps out to you, right? Because, I mean, this is kind of a relic of old um, expectations of masculinity, right? Where that's not a normally heard thing, right? 
Like, it really isn't. Um, from sons to their fathers, right? So, um, no, no, it, like, for, just from the title, it kind of grabs your attention. And I agree, like, what I really liked about this song was just him talking about what he's learned from his dad. And it kind of just got me thinking, I'm like, what have we learned from our dad, either, like, explicitly or implicitly? And I don't know. I mean, that's why I love this album. It, in, in certain respects, it, it makes you think. It makes me think of like, what have what have we learned from Dad? What did he What did he teach us either explicitly or implicitly? And I kind of wrote a few down just for for shits and giggles. Always give it your all. And one of the things I think I like, I at least learned from him is that like, say, acts of love, like the media will kind of pick for us, don't have to be these overt or grandiose things they can take many forms just down to the the very simplistic daily little acts of like thoughtfulness support and provision right and like traditions are one of the many great clues that hold and grow a family together like those are the things that kind of came to my mind while listening to this one so no this one was i liked this one again just because it was honest i i agree i like who you He's very self-aware to express like, hey, I know what you're probably thinking. Like, he's he's not a perfect guy. Like, <laughs> we've had a couple of, of tiffs, right? Um, and I, I really like the message and the things that he's learned from his dad. Because it's, it's a great message, like, to each their own. Like, just, it's a nice, um, nice song, a nice message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I did kind of reminisce about, you know, our own dad and the lessons he taught us as well. And, like... I I do think maybe differently, but I do think our dad kind of taught acceptance of others in a different way. Like dad very much was the like, you know, keep to yourself. Like don't don't, you know, get up into someone else's business. Like there's no reason to do that. Like I I don't think I've ever really seen him do that, or at least it's not coming to mind if he did a lot, but like I I really think like he kind of kept to himself and I kind of it got that from him as well, or at least I'd like to think I did. And that leads into the second thing I think he taught, which is like, you know, and you mentioned this as well in a different way, I think. Work hard. Mm-hmm. Do your best. Don't slack. Like, it was bad for us to get C's growing up. Like, C was not good enough. That was not passing. That was your slacking. Rise above the standard. Like, don't don't just settle. You need to work harder. You need mm-hmm. to push yourself. And that work ethic is important like the schoolwork didn't matter schoolwork never mattered yes. and it doesn't matter let's be honest people but what mattered was the work ethic learning how to apply yourself and you know grow skills you know that that was the most important thing and um like he didn't necessarily teach that mm-hmm. he did that and i think it was like by example that we kind of were able to learn those kind of crucial life lessons so I watched the film The Song Remains the Same. This is probably like the most esoteric <laughs> title of the bunch. <laughs> it's literally yeah. a sentence. It, it, it's Sufjan Stevens level almost. Oh, no, no, oh nothing's as bad as Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> yeah. It's not a novel. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, this this one, it's honestly speaking, it's not my favorite on the album, but there's a lot of important things here that, and things that I like a lot that stick with me. Um, like the thing that sticks out the most to me in this song, honestly, is, uh, when he talks about how he kind of got coaxed socially, like somehow he got into a position where he was being coaxed by, you know, other schoolyard kids to punch some kid in the face. And 
he kind of went with the peer pressure and actually did it um, when he was a kid. And uh, he mentioned the song, like, while I was smiling, um, I was uh, torn up inside. And, like, he's mentioned, like, he's carried this through his whole life, basically, like, you know, 40 years or whatever, and it's still eating at him, eating at him. And he's like, at the tail end of this little snippet of the song, he's like, I never was a schoolyard bully. It was a one-time instant, like, that kid, wherever you are, I'm so sorry. When I walked away, the kids were cheering. And though I grinned deep inside, I was hurt. But not nearly as much as I'd hurt him. He stood up, his glasses broken, his face was red. And I was never a schoolyard bully. It was only one incident, and it has always eaten at me. I can definitely empathize with that, I, I think, because I've I, never really punched anyone, but I, I definitely have said things to people that maybe I felt I needed to, or I didn't have the perspective required to be able to handle the situation better and like you know I, I would reflect on it in times and it's like one of those cringe things you're like oh i can't believe i did that or oh i can't believe i said that and it's it's important to look back at those times i think to sort of recognize that you have grown and to also recognize that you might still have areas to yet to grow i mean and trying your best and continuing to learn is like the best you can do you know yeah no i I agree. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because that that verse, I agree, kind of made me think of like, oh man, back to middle school days when I didn't know how to people yet. Yeah, and I, you can just sense the sincerity and just it, it definitely has eaten at him. I mean, you can definitely tell. And uh, I agree, there are some things that I have that kind of eat at me where it's like you're late at night, you're like, you kind of remember that one thing, you're like, oh, why the F did I fucking do that? Like, I was a <laughs> dick. I didn't... I was a shitty human being. I did not play that right. Um, like, I agree. That was one thing that really stuck with me. And I really like this one because it 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 really gets home that message of being thankful and being understanding where you've been, where you're going, where 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 you have been and all that, right? Is I like this, the last verse, like, he's the man that signed me back in 92. I'm going to go there and tell him face to face, thank you. You can tell, like, it just meant the world to him that his dad, one, gave him the guitar and he was able to pursue kind of this dream, right? And just kind of have it all happen and just have one person kind of give you the chance, right? And I think most of us can kind of relate to that. Usually it just takes one person to kind of see something that maybe others don't or just kind of take a risk, take a chance. And um, it's it's kind of cool to see that kind of play out here and for him to understand that thanks is is due right yeah you know it's important to remember you know the people that supported you and so we can also help support them if the time comes but you know to recognize that it's not just you yeah and and also kind of where he talks about how he's kind of always had this sense of melancholy right I think I can understand a bit of that considering this, like the stories we have heard surrounding his life. I kind of can understand that if you've had all this kind of stuff happen to you and you've kind of had these life experiences, I think it's very 
kind of natural to kind of have that kind of underbelly of sadness, right? If you kind of have kind of more of an artistic point of view and kind of tend to think more big picture and stuff like that, I can definitely see how that is, how that is kind of the logical result. And I don't know, that just kind of sucks to like understand that there are some people that struggle with that and can't shake either a melancholy feeling or even worse, uh, uh, depression, right? This, it, this kind of brought it to light to me, just kind of hearing him kind of talk candidly about it, like, hey, this is just something that I can't seem to shake. And it's it's definitely with that middle-aged, like, I got nothing left to prove, like, I, I am what I am kind of thing, like, very accepting, like, this is just how I am. Very self-aware and there is it's just kind of nice and refreshing to hear that perspective i got a recording contract in 1992 from there my name and my band and my audience grew and since that time so much has happened to me but i discovered i cannot shake melancholy Forty-six years now, I cannot break the spell. I'll carry it throughout my life, and probably carry it down. There was a comfort there. Yeah, like the comfort in one's own self. I think that really happens when you hit probably like your 30s and 40s like you know what (laughs) kind of like ron swanson i know what i'm about son like (laughs) um it's just i I don't know it's 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 refreshing yeah um rick moreris died today of natural causes truth be told i don't have a lot of notes on this one i like this song but the whole meat of the song is i mean it's right there in the title like this known killer died of natural causes and he goes through and some other you know kind of nasty individuals as well that like are still living or kind of had it pretty good and then he covers in contrast friends or like beloved people in general that died early or too soon or tragically and just he doesn't even say anything about that he just points it out like rick Moreras died today of natural causes Also, all of these good people had terrible things happen to them. While I'm there, I'm gonna stroll through the old neighborhood. Rick stands my age and still lives with his mom when he's not in jail. From menacing and stalking and riding bad checks, cocaine charges, marked and had such a beautiful smile. He always sat on his porch, passing the time and drinking a beer and smoking a pack until one day poor Mark had a heart attack. Friend Vince. Yeah, this one it it makes you think. I agree that I like how he doesn't take a stance. He just, he's like, I'm just going to bring this to light. Like, here's just a weird contrast that I saw between these people's experiences and other ones. And it's, it's very easy to see this and be like, that's not fair. So the next song though, Michaeline, I, I love this song. I really do. It's so beautiful. You know, he talks about Michaeline, a next door neighbor of his when he was growing up, um, a special needs girl. And, uh, 
you know, recounts an experience that he had with her and uh, his dad where he would, he hid in the house when she was ringing the doorbell as his dad answered the door and she was like, hey, can I have a bath with Mark? And his dad was like, nah, Mark's not home. Sorry. <laughs> and she, she left smiling and happy and, uh, you know, his dad and uh, him like shared a moment a little bit, kind of laughing about the situation. That's the best way you can kind of handle that situation. Like if she wants to have a bath with you, maybe like, oh, he's not here right now. Um, maybe try again some other time. <laughs> yeah. Michaeline used to come to our house and knock on our door. My dad would answer and say, What do you want, girl? And she'd say, Can I take a bath with Mark? My dad would say, My son ain't here. Send her home and shut the door and we'd all laugh. And Michaeline would walk down the street, glowing and smiling like she just got in Paul McCartney's auto. Michaeline's story gets very sad very quick when you find out about a thug basically moved in with her, took her welfare money, and uh, years later was in uh, a Florida penitentiary with his dad for murder. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I, hence why I can see why this guy has underbelly of melancholy. Because <laughs> like, shit like this happens to the people he's like he, that were in his life. Like, it's just, it's just kind of crazy. I really like the kind of two ending lines of Michaeline's and Brett's story. Or Michaeline, she she wanted love like anyone else. She had dreams. Like I thought that was a really nice way of wrapping it up. She she's no different than anyone else. She wants the same thing. She wants to be happy. She wants love. The one that jumped out to me was the the guitar player that with his bad posture or with straining his fingers caused him to um i forget what he actually ended up dying of but yeah it caused him to actually die from him kind of straining while playing the guitar and doing what he loves and that all all he wanted to do was just play the guitar he never hurt anyone my friend brett my friend brett my friend brett my friend brett he likes to play the guitar but he had an awkward way of playing bar chords with two fingers spreading his index and middle fingers really far apart. One day at band practice, he dropped like a deer was shot. He was flipping around like a fish. He had an aneurysm triggered by a nerve in his hand from the strain he was putting on it. I went to see him in Ohio. He had a horseshoe-shaped scar and and the one that really stood out to me too was um the one about his grandma where her husband passed away and then she met a man from california and he treated her really nice like i mean our grandma has had a very similar experience so like that i don't know this this song definitely hit home for me on on some of these storylines because it's just like god damn man like <laughs> some of this some of these stories just is it's tough it's tough to listen to yeah and the song the ending of the song the ending of like the grandma segment um is just really heartwarming as well like you mentioned the kind of personal um ties that we have to that because it is very similar to our own grandma's experiences i think um uh, aside from the unfortunate uh, diagnosis of cancer uh, revealed near the end, uh, was diagnosed at 62. Her kids stepped up to the plate for her and were there the whole way through. And it's just a, after like, I mean, let's be honest here, like just all of this shit through this entire record. And you got just 
a really nice sentiment there. Like, the worst thing that could have possibly happened to her, you got cancer, you're probably not going to make it. But, like, everyone stepped up and were there the whole way through. It all kind of ties back to family and caring. And, like, all of these deaths wouldn't really matter if you didn't care about the people. So it's just to kind of, it's it's a, it all kind of comes back home with those lines there. And I think set the stage for the finale of the album emotionally. Yeah, and Ben's my friend. Oh, my God. So we mentioned before instrumentally that the song structures and instrumentation of this entire record is very simple. Like there's a little bit of mix-ups here and there um, and a little bit of, of embellishments here and there, but it's very understated. It's very subdued. But Ben's My Friend is the one and only song in this record, the restraint required to do this. A gorgeous saxophone oh, it's, comes it's in. It's phenomenal. It's so good. And this is the only song in this record. And oh my god. And so I mentioned before about the softness of the record. Um, this record has great dynamic range. Like the the songs, if they're supposed to be quiet, are quiet. There's a lot of quiet songs on this record. But then this is like the one loud part of the album that the saxophone comes in and the saxophone solo comes in and that's when i honestly when that's when it i almost feel like i'm spoiling the record by even saying this personally because like that that reveal of the saxophone coming in and it suddenly reaching the upper thresholds of the the audio after like all of this kind of subdued audio up to this point and all the subject matter it just it breaks you down like it's the straw that breaks the camel's back it's just it, it all comes crumbling down after that for me and it, it like it's things like this that I miss out of a lot of records nowadays. And like a lot of people play records through like or not even records like just songs on Spotify, like the Chill Playlist 2019 off of Spotify. And and like the songs are compressed to high hell and everything's loud all the time. Like if you look at the waveforms of these songs, the majority of like, you know, pop songs nowadays, like it's all just loud all the way through. There's no dips, it's just a solid wall of sound. And the, I mean, this is this is a trick that's been used since like the like Phil Spector ages. Like this stuff's never going away, and I think they have their place. Honestly, like I like a lot of songs that are just loud. Um, I don't necessarily think everything needs to have dynamic range all the time, but you miss things like this when you compress things to high hell because like that saxophone coming in would not have the same impact if every single song in this album was compressed you know, heavily and loud all the time, because then just everything's loud, everything's the same, nothing's loud mm-hmm. anymore. So that dynamic range there and the restraint, uh, not to go on too long, but I, I, I got to cover one more thing on this song, just the subject matter. Like it starts with him just talking about like kind of a chore day, a date day with his uh, girlfriend, how like he got like an expensive pair of lampshades with her, they're eating at uh, a sports bar, and it's an out of body experience. Like it's just kind of a normal day thing. And he's sitting there and his girl, girlfriend even mentions like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, ah, nothing like it's fine. Um, and it's not, <laughs> it's really not. It's just, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. And that saxophone coming in just brings it home. 
I met my girl and we walked down Union Street. I was scared and my head was in a bunch of places. Bought a $350 pair of lampshades and we ate at Perry's and I ordered crab cakes. Blue crab cakes. Blue crab cakes. Blue crab cakes. I said I seemed distracted and asked what was going on with me I said I can't explain it, it's a middle-aged thing She said okay and ate her eggs benedict And I looked at the walls cluttered with sports bar shit Sports bar shit Oh yeah, <laughs> I really love the, just the flow instrumentally and, and just of this entire song Like when it, he breaks down into blue crab cakes and sports bar shit <laughs> oh it's so groovy and when the sax gets it oh is. it's so good um and you're right it's just it, it, when you have everything else that's like stripped back instrumentally everything kind of culminates into this song and it's just like it's such a great instrumental payoff to have just this groovy saxophone and just you really soulful oh, song. oh it's so, so good. good and it's just mm-hmm. it's a nice wrap-up of kind of I think the heart of this album, kind of the middle-aged kind of, not crisis, but just kind of retrospection and kind of dumping of life experiences. I can't explain it's a middle-aged thing. And then how he's kind of taught, he kind of is touching base of all his family. His sister's got a new boyfriend. His dad's flirting with girls at Panera Press. (laughs) (laughs) And then kind of a callback to, um, I can't live without my mother's love about how he were like, he gives his mom a call and she's sounds short of breath and he just worries to death. Um, and then, and then what really gets me too, is just, he really just hits home. Just kind of, I think what kind of caused this album is this last two stanzas is that he just like, it, it just kind of that middle age is kind of blah feeling it kind of seems like where he goes to see his friend ben in a concert he has these backstage passes but he just kind of shows up he just like it's like i just don't feel like i belong here kind of thing is kind of how i read into it um and he kind of gives away his backstage passes and it's very much kind of harking back to that your middle age you know what you're about and your life is kind of like there's not a whole lot left that he maybe feels he can do or he's okay with where he's at where he's like he sits in the tub and he kind of feels the tinge of competitiveness when he sees how good his friend ben is doing but he's also kind of okay with not being part of that it's kind of my read into it he's kind of okay with doing his own thing kind of pulling off long shifts in the studio and just kind of doing his own thing not doing this big grandiose out with attracting all the 20 year olds and stuff out like that like he he i, I don't know i i i sense kind of a bit of peace with him kind of feeling like hey, this is my corner and i i like my corner i know i know how to rock this and i don't know that i, I don't know if any of that kind of makes sense but that was kind of my my kind of read on this and it just was a great kind of culmination of everything like he's like i feel like a lot of this is probably coming from like this middle age kind of retrospection and then it all kind of culminates in just he's kind of okay 
okay with where he's at. Like, it's just another day behind the microphone this summer, this tenderloin summer. And that's, um, I had to, I had to look this up because I was like, what? Venison tenderloin? Beef tenderloin? <laughs> tenderloin apparently is the neighborhood, I guess, that he grew up in. Yes. Um, <laughs> since the 80s. Can be confusing. Yes. Um, I thought it was just a great, a great end, a great bow on top of this album. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, it's, it's all of the subject matter of death, either like, uh, others, deaths, future, uh, present, past, uh, it turns, you know, one of the rare cases inward on this album where, you know, he kind of talks about like, I can't even like keep up with the kids anymore at this concert. Like I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I can't do this. Um, and he's frustrated at that at first. You're right. Like he gives away his passes and he's like just totally pissed off. But like, you're right. He finds his peace with it. And what I find nice about it is he doesn't give up. It's not him giving up. He pulls like 12 hours. Sh- he's singing about making the record at the end of the record. Like I'm pulling 12 hour shift- shifts constantly in front of the microphone, um, wanting to make something pretty. He's He's kind of found new inspiration from this. And I feel like the he's not trying to fight for popularity like against the postal service and ben it's very much like i i'm following my own way i don't i i may maybe i maybe was like that at one point in time but like this is where i'm going now and it's like a brave new area and like i'm gonna own it and Mm -hmm. he is and he's continuing to do so with future records but um like this is like that kind of declaration there like i'm i'm pushing for it oh yeah for sure so that that covers it that is Sunkill Moons Benji. Any any kind of yeah, any final thoughts, I guess, that we want to recap since we we kind of more or less went song by song through here. Yeah, I honestly wasn't expecting to have as much to say as I did because a lot of the songs, I mean, speak for themselves. They're they're very not surface level, but they're very uh there's not a lot of subtext. It is all text. Um uh, with, you know, some exceptions, I guess, like, uh, you mentioned the birdbath and the red cardinal. That is one of the rare cases on this album of, like, you know, um, symbolism and, uh, things of that nature. But in general, that's the exception, not the rule here. But, um, I highly encourage people to give this a try. And when I, and when I say that, I do, you know, if any of this sounded interesting to you, even at all, um, and maybe it doesn't, that's fine. Um, it, like, it, it's, if it's not your thing, like, it's very much, not gonna meet everyone's needs i think some people want look for different things in songs but if this sounded interesting to you in any way shape or form set an hour aside and listen to it from front to back not doing anything else like sit down like you're gonna watch a movie and just listen to the record this is one of those rare cases where it is fully rewarding to do so um, and you get more out of that, I think, than just putting it on in the background or listening to a song or two out of context here or there. Um, I highly encourage that as the first, at least the first listening experience, if um, if it interests you. Um, uh, and if not, I hope that at least us talking about it <laughs> was entertaining enough. Um, well, what about you, Michael? Any uh, lasting thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I I would just say I would echo what you said. If you're listening to this, I didn't get a good time this week to really like sit down and just listen to it. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I kind of listened to it in a bit of broken stages just because things were kind of hectic this week. But I would highly advocate that you sit down, perhaps box of tissues, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and and you listen to this. And I would say just let it 
just let it wash over you. Don't overthink it. Just just listen. Like like I guess kind of we are describing. Imagine Mark is with there with uh, sitting there with you with his guitar, and you're you're, at, you're it, he's. I mean, he's obviously a stranger, but you, you just it, it kind of put yourself in that mindset of a stranger needs to tell me some things because he needs to just talk. And if I think proceeding with that mentality, kind of going into this, kind of setting that mental visualization stage, I think really kind of maximizes. I think the 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 potency of this album. I think, and I guess that's a great way. That that's kind of how I would I would describe this is emotionally potent. It it hit, hits home, and if I would say this is an album that I would advocate that I I think I may listen to this at different points in my life. Um, so I listened to it first in college and kind of appreciated it for what it was lyrically and instrumentally. Um, and I kind of I kind of got what it was trying to do, but. It, none of it really kind of hit home for me, but now it's like okay. In five plus years later, it's like re-listening to it. It's like okay, I I can I can relate to more of this now. Granted, there's some that I can't, of course. Um, but I don't know. I I see this one is one that I stick on the bookshelf or my digital bookshelf. I don't have one for uh, vinyl, but um, I stick on the digital bookshelf. Let it accrue dust um, for several years. But I think. I think now that I've given this a heartfelt listen that I will know when it's time to listen to it again. And I guess that's kind of what I would advocate our listeners do is give this one a shot. And I think they'll, they'll, I think there's something in this for everyone that is above a certain age. Um, and I think it is definitely one to re-listen to after it's almost like a 10 year check-in maybe (laughs) dust this one off the digital bookshelf and pop it in and um yeah i don't know i guess that's kind of my final thoughts um i definitely really enjoyed revisiting this i gotta admit it was it was tough um going through it but i think it's it's worth it i think it's it's worth pushing yourself and kind of making yourself feel uncomfortable in that sense like being like okay like i have time for entertainment i'm gonna know what I'm getting into here and make myself a little bit uncomfortable to make myself think about stuff. Cause I think it's very easy just because of all the options we have nowadays to pick up something that is pleasing. That is that can drown out whatever, maybe bounce around your head and make you forget about it and not bring it up to light. But I think this is a great album for no, I'm going to take this time and think about things that I have been either neglecting to think about because they're uncomfortable to think about or stuff like that. So I would say that is that is the mentality I would advocate people have towards this album is you will be uncomfortable, you may get choked up, but I would say it's worth setting aside an hour of your free time and entertainment time to feel that way. Get yourself a little uncomfortable and understand why you're feeling the things you're feeling and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm I'm really glad we revisited this one. Um it was it was interesting. It was interesting to revisit for sure. Yeah, it was an absolute delight being able to 
talk about it with you and um, definitely learned some things, uh, you know, both about you and um, I think the record as well. So I think that's it. Uh, thank you, listener, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, we hope to be doing this more frequently as we get back into a groove. Um, and, uh, you know, we also hope that Amy will return again soon. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Uh, all the show notes are going to be available online at badmusichurts.com or in your podcast player of choice. Uh, give it a look. There should be some extra materials and uh, links there from things we talked about and peruse at your discretion. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Take care. This I think I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos of puppies or something. (laughs) (laughs) Mind bleach. Uh, Time to get happy again. (laughs) No, yeah, but no, I'm I'm glad we did this. This was a this was a good one. This is a good one to do. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned this as one that you wanted to do because you had mentioned like like we had a list and then you had mentioned like. Let's do Benji. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that one to get you. I genuinely did not think we were going to be doing this one anytime soon. So it was a very pleasant surprise to have that be the one you uh, advocated for. No, yeah i i I thought it was I thought it was time because I had listened to it before, and I'm like, you know, I haven't listened to this long time. I remember kind of liking it, and I kind of knew I'm like, we're going to have a, like I kind of viewed it as a safe choice. Cause I'm like, I know we're going to have stuff to talk about on this. Oh yeah. Like, um, and so that was kind of, I guess the, one of the reasons I, I chose it, um, or advocate that we chose it. Yeah. Definitely easier, I think, than (laughs) the epic. (laughs) That one's going to be hard because, like, I'm bad at talking about, like, instrumentation, instrumentation, instrumentation. I, now Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I, even if I say it right, I'm not saying it right. Instrumentation, instrumentation. Instrumentation? In- instrumentation. Instrumentation. It's true. Um, I'm just going to have like a sound blip of me saying it one time correct, and I'm just going to drop in anytime I'm talking. Like, and this instrumentation. Yeah. Is, I didn't even say it right that time. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs>